Okay, well, this morning, again, usually, uh, I don't usually, God doesn't usually lead me to prepare messages for people, for others. He just counsels me personally. And so what I want to do this morning is I just want to share the counsel that God has, has given to me. And, and when I say that, if he's given it to me, and we are the body of Christ, in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13, and Ephesians 4, 30, and we are, then it's for all of us in some measure. And I just want to do a, a I don't want to call it a series, but a two or three uh, messages from a counseling word from from God the Holy Spirit for us and this morning I just want to give the first one of that and just the way that that God has has given it so and done it so beautifully too so this is John the tenth chapter we're going to read John the tenth chapter verse one that says verily verily truly truly I say unto you and he speaks to us personally, doesn't he, through the word? He that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but come, climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And the sheep that, that hear his voice, he calls his own sheep by their particular names. And he leads them out. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And the strangers <clears throat> will they not follow, but will flee from him. For they know not the voice of strangers. Now this parable Jesus spoke unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spoke unto them. And, and this is what I love about the Holy Spirit. Because if we just read this on our own without the Holy Spirit being the only theologian and the only scholar, we would be very limited and fall very short of what God would have for us through his word. We know that based upon 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 to 16. You know, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the mind of man or his heart, that very special place. The things that God has, past tense, already prepared for him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yea, yes, absolutely. The very deep things of God. And so this is what's going to be brought out this morning to all of us in a, in a, in a very new and fresh way. And for some, maybe the first time they've ever heard it this way. And, and we'll, we'll hear it and grow it, grow in it. Verse 7 of John 10. Then Jesus said unto them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, I am, I am the door of the sheep. This goes back to Exodus 3 and verse 14. He's the great I am. That's what he said to the Pharisees when they were arguing with him about Abraham being their father. <clears throat> But yet Jesus had to tell them in Hebrews 2 and verse 16, it was the seed of Abraham, what God had done in him, pointing to Christ and not Abraham. Abraham needed the seed as much as we all do, and that seed 
in, is in Genesis 3 and verse 15. Jesus Christ, who would come 4,000 years into the future, to fulfill that in Galatians 4.4, 4, the serpent would crush his heel, which is his humanity on Calvary, uh, would bruise his heel, I should say, excuse me, to bruise his heel on Calvary, but yet God, through Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would crush the head of the Satan, which means he would, he would do away with his power. This is brought out in Hebrews 2.14 and 15, and the power that we have in Christ, and that's why in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 20, the kingdom of God is not in word only, but power. We're going to see that power here this morning. Well, again, Jesus said in John 10, 7, Truly, truly, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me, all that ever put themselves ahead of me, or before me in any way, are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. That door that he was talking to them way back in Hebrews, in, in Habakkuk 2 and verse 15, for the Jews, Hosea, excuse me, it's Hosea 2 and verse 15, that door of hope in the midst of the valley of Baca, which is, was the valley of weeping. And oh, isn't it beautiful how in Revelation 7 and verse 17 and 21 and verse 4, he wipes away all tears. That's our shepherd, our only shepherd. I am the door. By me, if any man enter, any, whosoever will, in Revelation 22 and verse 17, if any man enter in, he will be saved. He will be delivered, and as a result of that, be continuously delivered experientially based upon that position that reveals propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation because God has provided himself in Genesis 22 and verse 8, with the lamb, that goes into the burnt offering as we have been taught. The burnt offering was Jesus Christ and the Father, them alone on Calvary, Jesus alone on Calvary, dealing with the nature, character, and essence and integrity of God by propitiating him about the sin questions. The sin question in John 1 and verse 29. So here we know that all that come before him were thieves and robbers. But if, you, if we come to him continually, and we can, because we have that great high priest in Hebrews 4, 14, 15, and 16, we can come near and find grace to the throne of mercy, find grace right in the nick of time. We can do that because we, we have a shepherd who's interceding for us in Romans 8 and verse 34. He intercedes for us in Hebrews 7 and verse 25. He's ever living interceding for us right now. That is the nature and character of his life right now. Is interceding for his sheep. And in Hebrews 9 and verse 24, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he will be saved and continually be saved. And forever, we see that in John 10, 28, and 29, and in John 6, 37, and 39. And then he will go in, he will go in and get filled up. Filled up, and then come out. And then he'll still find pasture waiting for him. 
The thief comes not. The only reason he comes is to steal, to kill and destroy. He cannot change the position of the Christian. He cannot touch their eternal life in 1 John 5.18, the V part. He cannot touch it. He can't touch it. He cannot do a thing about it. He can't do a thing about the position. Even our sin doesn't change our position because of our shepherd. Because he's propitiated his father. He's our precious substitute as our shepherd, our great and high priest, the apostle of our faith in Hebrews 3 and verse 1. The thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and destroy I am come that they might have life. And in the oneness that Jesus prayed for in John 17, 11, 21 and 22, that they might experience the abundance together. You see, each of us have been given an abundance. And then we come together, and then we are a joint that supplies in Ephesians 4 and verse 16, and we have a more abundant life. We see it beautifully. I have come that they might have it, and more abundantly, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But he that is a harling, he, he that's hired, he that does it for filthy lucre in First Peter 5, 3 and 4, filthy lucre, does it for a living, doesn't care for the sheep, because, he, because truly care for the sheep comes from the individual intimate relationship with Jesus Christ first and foremost. That's why men, men and men only in Jeremiah 3 and verse 15 and Ephesians 4 and verse 11, men and men only uh, that are pastor teachers, that are pastor teachers are united and fixed to the head. And then he flows out and then him and him alone. And that's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 5, we don't preach ourselves, we preach Christ. Because otherwise the thief comes to steal. But he that is a harling is not the shepherd, whose own sheep they are not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The harling, the hired one, listen, the one that serves the mammon god of money, does it for a living. For a paycheck. Please, because he's a harling. Why? Because he has no care, no intimate love in himself to give to those that are Christ. He cares not for the sheep. We know our precious Savior cares in 1 Peter 5, 7 and in Psalm 55 and verse 22. We can always cast our burden upon the Lord because he's the true burden bearer. We can't handle any weight in Hebrews 12, 1. That's why we have to look away from all that would distract, not just some things, from all that would distract and have eyes only for Jesus. And then we have God's viewpoint. We have God's focus, intensity, initiation of his love through his son by the power of the Holy Spirit. He never removes his eye. Job 36, verse 7, from the righteous in Christ in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 34 is our righteousness. He is our right standing before God the Father, immovable and unchangeable, 
Thereby we have peace. It's not let us have peace in Romans 5, 1 and 2. We have peace because Ephesians 2 and verse 14, Christ is our peace. So the harling flees. But no, I am the good shepherd and I know mine. That's you and I. I know mine and am known of mine. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, I love these verses, and we're going to get a clear understanding of what Jesus was teaching here. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, we're going to see the difference between a fold and a flock. Very expressive in the original languages. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, my voice. And there will be one fold. No. One fold, yes. And, and what? No. One flock. One flock and one shepherd. You're going to see what these things mean. And, and we're going to understand them as we close this reading. Therefore does my Father love me. Because I lay down my life. That, that I might take it again, you know. Aren't you glad and aren't I glad that we are not our own? We are owned by him. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, we're owned by him. And he takes us back up again. Because Christ is our life in us. In Colossians 3 and verse 4, he's the hope of eternal glory in Colossians 1 and verse 27. So in verse 18, no man takes it from me. You know those men that came? armed and ready to take him by force in John 18 1 to 6 and all he had to do was speak the voice and they fell backward oh no they didn't take him he gave himself over to them to fulfill Psalm 47 and 8 in Hebrews the 10th chapter especially those first 14 first verses there no man takes it from me but I lay it down of myself I have power to lay it down. I have power, which that means authority. I have all the authority of God himself to lay it down. And then I have power, authority again, to take it up. This commandment of the authoritative love of God as our Father in John 20 and verse 17, have I received of my Father. Now here, God wants to bring out these things, and this is going to take a series and I don't like to use oh, just a, a bunch of different counseling messages that he has for us because it is so vast and so incredible. Now, in John 10, God has given us and gives us the privilege to see every person in the Godhead engaged to carry out the divine counsels concerning Christ and his sheep. Whose sheep are they? His. Whose business then is it? that the sheep have to do with his. It's his business. We need to be reminded. I need to be reminded of that constantly. They are his sheep. They are accountable to him and him alone. You leave them alone. That's counsel. That's my counsel. They stand to fall before me in Romans 14, 4 and 5, and stand they will before me. And when we stand before him and do it righteously and do it the right way, 
then we stand together with him. That's what we do, and that's Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And you can see it in those 32 verses, how beautifully it flows into the marriage relationship in the fifth chapter, and then into the children in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, and then right into spiritual warfare, spiritual conflicts. Well, we see those three, three individuals, the triune God at work. What do we see first? We see the Father. What is he doing? He sends the Son in John 3 and verse 36. In John 3.16, for God so loved the mass of humanity that he gave through unbelievable grace his only, uniquely, one-of-a-kind begotten Son. Oh, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish in hell and in the lake of fire forever, living in death, separated from him, but have, not everlasting, but Zoe, Z-O-E, Zoe, eternal life. Because that life is Christ himself in First John 5 and verse 11. So we have the Father giving the sheep to Christ. Did you know that? Oh, that's what it says. Read it in John the 17th chapter. Read it in John 17 and verse 6. The Father gave the Son for himself. The Son gave himself for the Father. That's propitiation. Then the Father was able to give the Son to the sheep and then to give the sheep to the Son. Us. His, his church. His very church. In Matthew 16, 18, of which all the martial powers of hell, the gates of hell, can do nothing against. And he cares for them because they are held, not only, but yes, in Christ's hand, but in the Father's hand in John 10, 28 and 29. Immovable, unchangeable, immutable, loving, deep, intimate, gracious hand. No wonder we need to submit ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt us experientially. Because that's what he desires to do in 1 Peter 5, 6. They're held in his hand. And in no wise does he cast them out in John 6, 37 and 39. And then we have the son and he calls the sheep by name. In John 10, 3, he calls the sheep by name. Oh. This goes into the beauty of an eternal, intimate, love-life relationship exchange between the individual and Christ in Revelations 2 and verse 17, that hidden manna and that white diamond stone, the light of Jesus reflecting it in each facet. No wonder it says in 1 Peter 4.10, be good stewards of the poikilos, the many-faceted grace of God. That's what it says. And uh, he calls them by their name. He does. He calls us by name. He named, he named Simon, Peter. He said, I'm, you, you're, you're, you're Petros. I'm Petra, the massive ledge, and you're Peter. And I will build my church, including you, Peter, upon myself, that mass, massive ledge, that foundation in Matthew 16, 18, and in 1 Corinthians 3, 10. And 11. The son calling the sheep by name. And he leads them. Listen, and I listen with you. He leads them out of man's world unto Satan. He leads them. 
He leads them out. In Genesis 4, 16-24, He leads us out of that world system of Satan. Do you want to know what the world system is like? It's all about money, comfort, and ease, and the hatred and rejection and murder of Christ. That is the world system that is ripening fast to judgment. It's on its way. Pray for our country, and I'll pray with you. Because there's no going back for America at this point. There's no going back. God is not making the world a better place. The world is on its way to being done away with ultimately, ultimately, and finally any any substance of it whatsoever is brought out in Revelations 20 in those 15 verses there. Well, he leads them out of man's world. How? By going before them. By going before them. He did in John 1 and verse 14. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth, the world in Revelation 13. The works were finished. Listen. The works were finished in God's eternal mind. In Hebrews 4, 3. And Christ had, but had Christ had to enter into time in his humanity and manifest it and reveal it. And that's why he said in John 17 and verse 4, as he was facing the cross, before he was literally there, he said, I have finished the work which you gave me to do. It was my will. Your will was mine in John 4 and verse 34 and Matthew 26, 38 and 41 and 2. Your will is my will. Fulfilling again Psalm 40 verses 7 and 8. I came to do his will and to finish the work. And I always do those things that please the Father in John 8, 29 and Romans 15, 3. I, I always do. I always do, because in John 5 and verse 19, what I see my father do, that I do. And he has seen it like no other, like no other could. And he's willing to show us it all, and he will for all eternity. So he goes before them, giving, notice giving grace, giving. Not expecting anything in return, by the way, but giving his life for them in such great love. When my enemies come against me, I will cry out to God in Psalm 56 in verse 9. For this I know, that God is for me. In Romans 8, 31 and Psalm 56, 9. I know he's for me. I'm convinced of it because I'm not going to hear another voice. God is for me. He's the same... Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever in Hebrews 13, 8. He'll never fail. He'll never fail in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 8. He never fails. Love never fails. Ever, ever, ever. God can't fail because he's God. He gave us his best. He didn't stop short. He gave us his one son. And so go. he goes before them, the son, giving his life for them. And listen. Forming them into one flock, not one fold, one flock, one flock. He forms them through his word in Deuteronomy 8.3 and Matthew 4.4 4 and Luke 4.4 4 
In Job 23 and verse 12, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And God is forming us, taking out what is not the form of him. In 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold, casting down imaginations, which is reasoning. Other voices that entered in and taught me opposite of who God is, expressed through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, casting down these false reasonings, these lies, and every high thing that comes against the knowledge of God, the high thing that Satan and his satanic army coming against God's love, the knowledge and depth of his love for us expressed through Christ. No wonder he wants to get the sheep separated eternally and from Christ, and if he can't, maybe experientially to those that are positioned in him. He forms them into one flock. Others he had, he said, that are not of this fold. We're going to see what that fold is. But one flock. And then we have the Holy Spirit. And he is under the type of the porter. I used an illustration Years I worked in, in, in Boston in the very uh, business, the height of the so-called exclusive business area of Boston, and that would be Beacon Hill and School Street and State Street and all these different streets. But right on School Street, there was this huge, the Parker House Hotel, very exclusive. And there would be a man dressed up in an unbelievable uniform, and those that were entering in, he would open the door. <laughs> for them to go in. But also what he would do is he would open the door for them to go out. You see, they'd go in and find comfort. And then he opened the door so that they could come out. And this is a beautiful truth. This is what the Holy Spirit was saying through Paul. He said in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, a great and effectual door is open unto me. It's the preaching of Christ. And there are many adversaries. And the many adversaries and God needs to get this into our, our heads as initiators of our family, as pastors and teachers, as men. The, the, the adversaries are not the sign to leave. They're the reason to stay. They're the reason to stay. And our natural will run. We'll run to comfort. We'll try to find some form of escape. No. Not the good shepherd, and not the good shepherd in us, for others. So it's the Holy Spirit, and he opens the door. And we know in John 10, 7 and 9, Christ is the door. He opens the door so that the voice of Jesus Christ alone is heard versus all the other voices. In 1 Corinthians 14, 6 through 12, there are many voices, and none of them are without significance, as opposed to the one voice of Jesus Christ in John 10, 3, 14, and 27. That voice that speaks, don't be afraid. Do you believe in God? Well, then believe in me because he sent me for you. He sent me as his propitiation, your substitute, and the means of your reconciliation. Is your heart troubled, your mind? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. In my Father's presence, there are many places to dwell. 
many places. We'll get into that at a, a different time. So the peace that I give you, the peace that I am in John 14, 27, is a peace that the world can never give you. And it's that peace that will guard and garrison your heart and keep you safe in my voice. You see, he understands that Jesus did. That was, that was the prophecy of Jesus in Psalm 40, 1 and 2. He said he was in a pit of noise. Can you imagine his whole life, our precious shepherd, his whole life, the noise of the atmosphere and hatred. Oh, they hated him in John 15, 18. They tried to kill him constantly in John 7, 1. Constantly. They said, not this man in John 18, 40. Listen, those were those of the fold. The Jewish fold. That rejected him in John 1, 11. That said, not this man in John 18, 40. Cried it out. Screamed it. Cried it out. With hatred and anger. And cried out, crucify him. Murder him. Get rid of him. In John 19, and verse 15. That's the voice of the enemy. The lying voice of the enemy. Well, the Holy Spirit opens the door that Christ is so that his voice is heard and the sheep are drawn to Christ. I said it recently. The truth is, is this, that no power of the devil, 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose was the Son of Man, the Son of God revealed that he might destroy the works of the devil. And boy, he did on Calvary in John 19 and verse 30. No power of the devil been, been dealt with. No opposition of man. Listen, not our own failure can prevent the counsels of, of God Almighty from being carried out in us. Nothing can stop it. The determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God in Acts 2 and verse 23. The eternal mind of God in operation, as long as he's ever been. <laughs> what is man? Oh, Lord, that you're mindful of him. In Romans 8 and verse 4. In Hebrews 10 and verse 6. What is man? What is he worth? What are you worth? Well, God giving his own son for you. And in doing so, Father's giving himself. He's giving his son in himself. And he gives us the Holy Spirit. Nothing can change it. And it's still the same today. We need to experience that. Especially in the turmoil and confusion of this evil world system that we're in right now. With all the corruptions of Christendom, meaning all that false teaching, Calvinism, Romanism, at times Protestantism, one naturism, annihilationism, universalism, every kind of philosophy that ends with ism, the corruptions of Christendom, meaning they corrupt Christ and make it a system without him. No wonder Jesus, no wonder even the ashes of the purity of, of Christ and type that was consumed were to be brought out and Numbers 19 and verse 3, and Hebrews 13 and verse 13, they were to be brought outside the camp, the Jewish fold 
where they rejected him and had their own religion based upon going all the way back to Genesis chapter 4 and verse 16 to 24 and in their blindness and hatred and hardness were serving the enemy, thinking they were doing God's service by killing the body of Christ in John 16 and verse 2. You can't stop God. There's no stopping him. You cannot divide the Father from the Son, the Son from the Holy Spirit. They are indivisible. indivisible. They are the triune Godhead. That's who they are. And right in the face of the turmoil of the world, the corruptions of Christendom, the opposition of so-called religious leaders under the guise of Satan, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 3, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world and the God of this world there in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 is the religious God of this world, has blinded and hardened the minds of them which believe not that God could love them that much, that all their worth would be in him. Eternal song of the Lamb in Revelations 5, 9 to 12. Worthy is the Lamb. The enemy comes in and accuses us. You're not worthy. You fail. You sin. You fail. You sin. You're not worthy. And you know, you're right in myself, but all my worth is in him. I have a good shepherd. All goodness is in him. It's not in me in Romans 7, 18. In John 6, 63. No, there's no good in me apart from him. Zero. None. And so... There's no, even through all of that, failure is, failure is, it is in the plan of God. It's in there, not of his choosing, but it's in there, but it's excluded in the outcome. What the enemy means for evil. God doesn't use that, but what the enemy means for evil that he uses, God means for good in Genesis 50 and verse 20. And none of us are God to each other. And in Genesis 50 and verse 19. And boy, do we need to learn that. Boy, do I need to learn that when I say we. So the true people of God, Christ's sheep, are being reached, blessed, and led through this worldly, evil world system. We see that. And on our way to be brought home to our to glory with Jesus Christ. There's so much more here. There's so very, very much more here. So much more here. But in that difference between the fold and the flock, we're going to see this difference here. And here it is as we begin to close this out this morning. The chapter ends here with the Lord using the familiar customs of an eastern uh, country in relation to a shepherd and a sheep to bring out to you and I, even this morning, the way he was bringing out to those uh, Jewish disciples, he was taking them out of the fold. He was taking them out of that Jewish fold. Works. Romans 4, 1 through 8. Works. Romans 5, 1 through 21 works romans the 11th chapter verses 1 through 8 no works he did the work in john 4 and verse 34 he finished the work in john 19 30 he's leading those jewish disciples out 
because he's been rejected in John 1.11. He's leading them out like a shepherd does. He puts himself in front of the danger to protect the sheep. Then when the sheep come in after a long day, he takes his staff that he has to use at times to trip and discipline and love those sheep. And he puts it down. And when they enter into the sheepfold, they have to humble themselves. In 1 Peter 5, 6 and James 4, 6, so that the shepherd can see if there's any wounds that even the sheep aren't aware of. So that he can protect and heal. In Psalm 107, verse 20, he sent word. And he healed them. And he delivered them from all, all their destructions. And bringing them into his own gracious work right in the midst of Israel, in the midst of their rejection, and still in their Jewish fold, the nation is like a sheepfold. The nation of Israel to this day. God cares, and he's doing a great work, preparing, preparing, but the nation here, the Jewish one, is like a sheepfold, and there are false prophets, just like they come against us today, and no wonder the, the shepherd, the pastor, teacher, oh, how men want that title, pastor. You know, the great men of God all through the Bible, they didn't want a title. But the one that they loved more than anything, you can see it in Romans, the first chapter, and all the way through, way before, is servant, slaves to his love. Slaves, servants to his love. Not seeking anything for themselves. No titles, no doctors, no, no titles. Past is not a title to elevate man in the flesh. But if you're a shepherd, you are humbled in his presence. So there's false prophets and pretended messiahs, just like there are today still, that rise from time to time. We see this through church history. Seeking to obtain influence over the sheep. And that's why Paul said in Acts 20, 24, I don't count my own life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course. And this is brought out again in Colossians 4 and verse 17. I have not shunned to the best of my ability and in my growth to declare unto you all the counsel of God in Acts 20, 27 and to commend you to, the, to God, not to man, not to an apostle, not to a pastor, not to a board of elders. No such thing today in the church, by the way. None. But unto God and the word of his grace, Jesus Christ, our shepherd. That's in verse 32 of Acts 20. He said, but you've got to be careful because there's going to be thieves and robbers coming from without. And that are going to enter in. But some without fighting you, unsaved. And some pretending they are and entering in. In Acts 20, verse 29. To scatter the sheep with all kinds of bad teaching, no teaching, evil. Seeking influence over the sheep for their own 
profit. The flesh profits nothing in John 6.63. Romans 7.18. A man that couldn't walk begging of some money in his crippled state in Acts the third chapter. We see in those first six verses. A man begging. Enemy telling him to be, this is who you are in your helpless state. And all someone can do is give you some, maybe some gold or silver. And Peter said to them, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I can give you. In the name, the very person and nature of Christ and what he's accomplished, rise up and walk. And immediately he did. They do it for their own profit. They said, Man in his fallen state, they said, what is he worth? What is the shepherd worth? He said, tell me my price in Zechariah 11, 12. Tell me my price. 30 shekels of silver. See Judas in prophecy there. You see him also in Psalm 109, verses 3 and 4 and 5. You know what they gave 30 shekels of silver to? To the Israelites? When an ox bumped or hurt one of, their, one of them, the owner of that ox that did that was to give him 30 shekels. That's what they considered. Lest our, our Savior to be on an equal plane with a dumb ox. You see that in Exodus 21 and verse 32. They trampled their precious son underfoot. And they did it for their own ex exaltation. Some say, I am of Paul. Some say, I am of Paulus. Some say, I am of Cephas. And some say, we're of Christ. We don't need anybody. Oh, in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 13, is Christ divided? Is he scattered? Are we scattered in our thought life? Are we not one? In Ephesians 4. 4 through 6. Are we not one in John 17, 11, 21, and 22? They were only thieves and robbers. They didn't enter in by God's appointed way. Oh, in Proverbs 14, 12, and Proverbs 16, and verse 25, there's a way that seems right unto a, unto a man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death, separation, thieves, robbers. The thief, the self. Jeremiah 10 and verse 23, O God, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man to direct his steps, yet the steps of a man that is in Christ, in Psalm 37 and verse 23, are ordered and ordained of the Lord, steps that Jesus walked in before you and I ever went there because he leads us out. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 21. And if we say that we abide in him and in his love, and we ought also to walk like he walked in 1 John 2 and verse 6. They didn't enter in by God's appointed way. No. No, they didn't. Nope. But at last, in God's timing in Galatians 4, 4 the precious Lord, one came into the Jewish fold by the way that God had foretold. Oh, he's bringing it out in Gen from Genesis 3 and verse 15. But long before that, 
in John 1, 1 to 14. The seed of the woman that would crush the head of the serpent. Crush it. Do away with his power. That's why he goes by lies. His method is lies in Ephesians 6, 11. Methodia. His method, his way. Jesus Christ said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, 6. Man's goings in Proverbs 20, 24 are of the Lord. How is it then that a man can know his own way? That can be his own master in Matthew 6, 24. That can be his own savior, his own healer. One came, oh, he came, prophesied 700 years before he came in Isaiah 7, 13 and 14, born of a woman under the law to redeem them, that were under the law in Galatians 4, 4. In him, all those prophecies as to the coming of that Messiah, Moshiach, the Messiah was fulfilled. He was born of a virgin, his blood was pure, separated from the mother's blood, Mary. He wasn't blessed above women. She was blessed among them as a 14-year-old peasant girl in Luke 1, verse 36 to 46, where she said, in the Douay Reigns Vulgate Catholic Bible, my God, referring to Christ, the baby in the womb, my God and my Savior. Make that crystal clear this morning so we don't, none of us, get distracted because like sheep we're so easily distracted. One finally came, according to Isaiah, and he would be born in Bethlehem in Micah 5 and verse 2, brought up in Nazareth, a slum area in John 1 and verse 46. But Christ entered by the door as the door as God's only appointed way in Acts 4.12. One mediated between God and men, the man. Don't refer to each other or your pastors as the man. There's only one, the man. That's Christ in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 5. We're a vessel. We're vessels of support and supply to each other. And we're to honor one another and reverence Christ in the vessel in Ephesians 5 and verse 21. But he gets the glory. And when he's glory and glorified, we're blessed to honor each other. It's an honor to serve one another, to esteem one another better than ourselves and our own plans. Philippians 2, 3. To not look on our own things, but on the things of others. I love it. I love it. And I, and I mean this, and I mean this in all purity without an ounce of condemnation or accusation, I love to go to Burleson, Texas, because when I am there, I go there for one reason. It's to be a blessing. It's to love others and to be loved by them in that local assembly. That's my whole focus point of even going there. Everything else is a major secondary. Added blessing, but major secondary blessing. Well, he was born of the virgin, we said, born in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2, and he entered by the door 
he was manifested to be the true shepherd of Israel. Not the shepherd of Israel setting up the millennial reign, the true Jewish fold in Galatians 6.16, true one in Ezekiel 34 and verse 23. But he right now is the one shepherd. He is our one shepherd, the one shepherd in Ecclesiastes 12.11. That's Christ. It's not any man or any under shepherd. That is Jesus Christ. Listen, the pastor is not your authority. Christ is. Period. He may fail. He may be weak. He may be feeble. But Christ isn't. But if I function as Christ as my only head and my true head in Colossians 1.18, and I don't do away with them in Colossians 2 and verse 19, I can still honor those vessels that he uses. Because, listen, it's his choice. And it does say in Ephesians 4.11, some, not all, some, very few, very few, very few from the refusing grace, and I'm saying it like that, from refusing his grace, his mercy, and unconditional love will not stay the course. It's like a gauntlet. It's a battle. In 2 Timothy 2, 1 to 4, it's a battle. In Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, it's a battle. To him, the porter opens in John 10, 3. The porter is the Holy Spirit, the very power of God acting, listen, acting providentially, planned before we were born in Jeremiah 29, 11. Plan finished for you and I. Before we were born, the Holy Spirit acting through Christ and what he's accomplished providentially in ordering our circumstances. Why do we go to certain places? What motivates us? Is it the love of his sheep? Because if it's not, if it's not, if it is not that one reason, then all the others will ultimately never satisfy. Will never be satisfied. None of us. None of us. Well, he works providentially. The Holy Spirit opens. God opens the door, Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is John 16, 13, and 14. And providentially, in ordering our circumstances, or by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit here, working in the hearts and minds and emotions of men. And boy, let me say men. And it's true. First Timothy 2.8 I will that men, men, not anthropos, men and women, men, males, lift up holy hands. Is something in my hand other than Christ? that caused me not to lift it up? Where I'm going, is it because I want to lift up Christ? Where he sends me, is it to lift up Christ? The Spirit working in the hearts of men. Matthew 6 and verse 19, don't store up 
treasures in your heart where rust and moss. Christ is your treasure in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Colossians 2 and verse 3. Don't store them up. Where thieves can break through and steal, can give it to you, take it away. Give it to you, take it away. Cause fear, anger, irritation. For where your treasure is, in Matthew 6, 21, there your heart will be also. You need to have a single eye. Your eye be single, your whole body will be filled with Christ will light you up in Psalm 34 and verse 5. He'll light you up in 1 John 1, 7 with your true character and your true image. But if your eye be evil, your whole body will be filled with darkness. And if the light, it says, that be in you be darkness, that's the thief and the robber. How great is that darkness? That's the angel of light. Matthew 6, 23. And you cannot serve two masters. You are not, and I am not in control of myself, not for one thought. Never mind one word or what we do or where we go. In Matthew 6 and verse 24, you'll either love one and hate the other or hate one and love the other. You cannot, I cannot serve two masters. So the way was open for Christ to reach his own sheep, to reach his own. Father, we thank you for your precious word this morning. And, and I pray personally and pray with all of our, our brothers and sisters in Christ, oh Lord, that these things would, they would be known in me and experienced in me, the depth of the intimacy of your love for me and for your sheep. That the world would look at that and say, oh, I have everything, or I thought I did, but I don't have that. I don't have him who's everything. And Father, let us be your written epistle, known and read of all men. And 2 Corinthians 3, 1 to 6, because our sufficiency in 3, 5 is not of ourselves, it's of you. And who is sufficient for these things? In 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 16, but we have the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2.16. And I just ask you with all our others here and whoever's listening, that you would continue to bring out the truth of this through these messages. I really believe you would have us to do and do as far as receive. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.